Listen, I mean, in ministry, you know, we, we've seen some great things happen in ministry. And we want to highlight the tremendous impact. Did I say that right? The tremendous impact of our black women in ministry All within right the Seven Day Adventist Church. And so we brought two powerhouses on here today, movers and shakers, that's going to give us a perspective of what the ministry of our women have contributed in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Wow, that sounds exciting, man, I, because because th this has been a while in the making and, and everybody knows there's has been, still is, tons of controversy and whatnot. I, I, I'm excited, not so much about the controversy, but I wanna see what's happening. You know, what is God doing? How How is he leading? How is he opening doors? How is the kingdom expanding? Um, and so, uh, Pastor Wade, who do we have with us today, man? Who's at the table to help us explore that topic? Listen, um, when you when you talk about female in ministries or women in ministry, especially pe uh, people of color, um, one of the names that always rises to the top is that of Pastor Brenda Billingy. Uh, she served at That's my right. home church there in Maryland, in Metropolitan Seventh-day Adventist Church, and then she was called to the North American Division to serve in the ministerial department there, where she actually, um, I, I'm, I'm assuming, I didn't read the bio, but I know she was very much instrumental in, in fostering and calling and shaping and helping the North American Division and our churches to 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 rally around, to, to hire, to, to empower, and to train women in ministry. And so she is one of the powerhouses when it comes to women in ministry. And I, at the other guests we have, I consider her a dear friend. She has totally uh, knocked it out of the park. She has been a, 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 a lighthouse uh, for ministry for women in our conference, in my conference here in South Central Conference. I speak none other than Pastor Tina Carragher. So we have two powerhouses in ministry today. Let's bring them on. All right, here they come. Hey, hey, hey there right. they are. Welcome, 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 ladies, pastors. We are delighted and ecstatic to be able to have you both on the PRT or at the PRT today. Thank you so much for, for being willing to join us. We're going to give you just a minute to, uh, or, or, or a little bit of time to address our audience. Um, we want to start with a word of prayer. And um, Dr. Henry, will you, uh, will you start us off, Doc? Let's pray. Lord, we um, acknowledge your presence in this place, and we are so excited and honored to have these great women of God that's with us today. I ask God that as we uh, continue in this conversation, that you will bless it, Father. You inspire many, and Father, we will be able to know that you are coming soon. And all we have to do, Father, is put our hands in yours so that when you come, Lord, you'll say, thou good and faithful servant. Bless us now, we do pray again in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Pastor Carragher, we know that you are at First SDA Church in Springfield, Tennessee, because that's what it says right under your name. But that's pretty much all that we told the folk today, along with what, what Roger did. So we're going to give you now. See, we give preachers, you know, we, when we have teachers and, and professors and whatnot, we give them a little bit more time. But we know preachers because we're preachers. So we're going to give you 39 
0.76 seconds. Uh, <laughs> don't mind me. To go ahead and just to share with everybody where you are, what you're doing. Now, most of our audience knows that Tina has been with us before, Pastor Carragher. This is her second time with us, so she is no stranger to the Pastors Roundtable. But just give us an update, uh, uh, Pastor Carragher. Um, and for those who may not know you, just give us a little insight of, of what's up with you, what's going on with family life. Shout out anybody. The time is yours beginning right now. Well, I'm going to attempt to do this in less than 39 seconds. Oh, Again, I am <laughs> Pastor <laughs> Tina Carragher. I am the pastor of the First Seventh-day Adventist Church in Springfield, Tennessee, which is located right outside of Nashville in the great and awesome South Central Conference. I did my undergrad experience at Southern Adventist University. I did my master's at Andrews University. And then Dr. Bird asked me to be his associate pastor at the Oakwood University Church, where I served for two and a half years. And then after my time at Oakwood, I landed here where I'm so proud of the congregation that I pastor. We have been baptizing, we've been reaching the community, we've been renovating the church and just making a long lasting impact uh, in Springfield, Tennessee. Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, I have followed Pastor Billingy for a long time. I, I, I have, I don't know if any of my colleagues want to do it, but I just, I don't have what it takes to give a time uh, for Pastor Billingy. So I don't know if you want to do it, Dion or, or Roger, if you want to give her time. I'm just saying she's got carte blanche. She, she can do whatever she wants. <laughs> the time <laughs> Pastor Billingy is yours. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to be on today. I am excited to be here and to share a little bit about women in ministry. Um, I am officially retired, guys. This is a great thing. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I get to do ministry in the way that I would like to do it and the way that God would have me to do it. And I want to also share that this gives me an opportunity to follow all of the women in ministry that we have partnered along the way, share with them, encourage them, mentor them. It is just a joy to be with our younger females in ministry. So we are happy that God is blessing. And in retirement, I have a lot of time to do what I really like to do, which is prayer ministry. And we'll talk about that as we go wow. along. All right. Awesome. Uh, Dr. Henry, I can tell that you're saying amen, yeah. and, but I can't hear you. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Right, right, right. There you, you can hear me now. Listen, amen. And um, uh, Pastor Billingie and, and Pastor Keringer, just so privileged to have you here. Um, you all both are trailblazers in the ministry. I mean, you've been doing excellent work. Uh, I think Pastor Karinger, you're the first female uh, sponsored seminary student from South Central Conference. Am I right? I mean, that's you know, yeah. so you right. you have you have set the path for it's many other women of God, right? Mm -hmm. That are called, and then uh, Pastor Billingy, I mean, mentor and. Um, preaching in all over the world. And uh, at one point, I think you were in the North American division, you know, um, yes. uh, ministerial director. So, you know, privilege to have you on. So we're talking here again about women in ministry. And um, I know that, you know, when we have, and, and no one has really arrived, right? We're already, always striving, but mm -hmm. we can recognize when God is blessing, right? 
And when we recognize God as blessing, oftentimes there was somebody that went before us. And the person that went before us that was uh, did something significant in our life, they may have um, blessed us, uh, encouraged us, made a tremendous impact on us. And so for you all, who are some of those pioneers that you look up to in ministry and why? I will go first if you want to. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Because I have served in a pioneering role myself, there weren't Mm -hmm. too many models for me to look up to. The one Black female pastor that I knew when I started was Hybeth Williams. But we weren't close uh, in proximity into, you know, where we lived or anything. So when you're doing pioneering ministry, it has to be done in a really weird way. God has to make sure Mm. that you're comfortable with this process. And so my three people that I chose, Ellen White, I chose her because of her courage to speak what she heard. I chose somebody as said, my was model. that Ellen G. White? <laughs> was that... Yes, <laughs> with the G. <laughs> I actually loved the model of Moses in the Bible for one reason. He was intimidated by his call. When the Lord spoke to him, he said, who am I? You know, what if they don't listen to me? Um, I've never done this before. I don't know how to speak. God said, never mind, just go on ahead and just say, I am that I am. When I looked that up as I started ministry, I realized that I am was not a noun. It was not a name. It was a verb. And as a verb, God was confirming that what he said he will do, he will do. So that was my encouragement to branch off into ministry. And since we also celebrate in Black History Month, MLK. Uh, I remember that I had the opportunity to stand in front of the hotel where he got shot. And as I looked up at the balcony, the Lord said, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. So I took off my shoes and I stood there just looking and processing and the lord said to me one of these days you will have this burden you will carry this load i didn't know what it all meant at that point but now i do um we have to be bold and defiant um in our process in our protest as women in ministry we reject the negative press and we choose to love in spite of all that said and in spite of all the discrimination. So MLK, I celebrate him this month for that reason. Wow. Amen. Pastor Keringer, tell us. My Lord. Um, I, I, yes. I, don't know if I, can, I don't know if I can follow after Pastor Billingy. Um So I, th- I think that I like what Pastor Billingy said about when you are pioneering um, you know, sometimes the, the, your options are limited. And even though I'm only 40 years old, it is still, um, a new, it's still taking some time for our church to get adjusted to women as pastors. So when I was coming up one, I never expected to be a pastor in the first place. (laughs) 
Um, but secondly, I didn't have female pastors to look up to. I wasn't aware of, I, I came from Central States Conference and there weren't any female pastors there at the time when I was growing up. And I might have seen some female elders, but I really was not exposed to anyone that inspired me to be like, man, when I grow up, that's what I want to do. So my path is similar to Pastor Billingy's is I had to find my heroes in different ways. So uh, Pastor Furman Fordham was my pastor and he fostered a a interest, a desire in me to really want to learn how to be a biblical preacher. He was a, my pastor for several years. Um, and then when I got to Southern Adventist University, my next hero, who is actually my ministry father, is Dr. John Nixon Sr. Uh, I praise God for him all the time. He's been with me my whole journey, and he has really helped me to understand what it means to be a spiritually mature leader which is really what it takes to be a pastor, regardless if you're a man or a woman. Um, and then Pastor B Brenda Billingy, once I became aware of who she, who she is, I mean, she is a strong, intelligent, polished, biblically sound preacher. I mean, she's just amazing. And so, and, and, and not just her, but, but, uh, pastor Lola, uh, Johnston, uh, mm -hmm. pastor Kim Bulgin, when I see women of color stand at the pulpit and preach the gospel with conviction and biblically and biblically sound that always moves my heart to see that God is using so many of us to do powerful things for his kingdom. So that's my answer. Amen. <laughs> Wow. Great stuff. Wow. Great stuff. Well, this is great stuff. You know, as we were talking, uh, Pastor, Pastor Wade, talking about pioneers and, and, and being a trailblazer, um, I, I couldn't help but notice this idea of standing up and speaking out. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it reminds me at our service today, we had Dr. Wesley Knight, and he, and he was preaching about that same thing, standing up and speaking out. Is it hard to do that um, within the Adventist church as a pastor and a female, <laughs> Dr. Bill and J, Pastor Bill and J, can you just, I know you intrigued me today. I, I just. <laughs> well, one of the things a friend said to me as I started off ministry, it was this, pray for skin as an alligator pray for skin as an alligator. <laughs> and the more we talked about that, the more I realized that ministry for women is very different from as it is for men. We seem to be challenged on every front. You get challenged from mm. the pews. You get challenged from the, the people who are looking on on the outside. Um, you get challenged even from your leaders whom you expect would be pushing you forward, but it doesn't always happen that way. Wow. So it's, it's always in the back of our minds that even though the darks come, we must have courage. Esther had courage to walk in and, and speak truth to power. And women, as Black women, we have to be able to do that because, you know, we are at the bottom level of just about every round in life. So we have to speak up even when it costs. There is a cost mm. we pay for it sometimes. But there's a generation coming behind 
who need to have the way paved just a little bit smoother. And so it's our responsibility as pioneers to speak truth to power, to call right when it's right, to call wrong when it's wrong, and to encourage our women to be absolutely sure of their calling wow. so that whenever mm -hmm. they are challenged, their response mm -hmm. should be, I never have to account to man for anything, but mm -hmm. one day mm -hmm. I will have to account to God for something. And so I mm -hmm. choose to follow God rather than man. Wow. My Lord. Mercy, mercy. Hey, that's a that's a great segue because I I, I want to go in on that particular thing that you just raised, uh, Pastor Billingy. So um, for both of you, Tina and, and I'm sorry, Pastor Carragher and and Pastor Billingy, when was that moment that you knew that God had called you to ministry? Was there a definitive moment? Or did it just develop? And what did that look like? How did you where did, when, how did you get to the point where you were absolutely clear and certain? Or is there still some uh, waiting on the Lord to give me some more? Talk to us on that. Let's start with uh, Pastor Billingy, and then we'll go to uh, to, to Pastor Carrick. Well, because my calling was so different, so so weird, so to speak, I was actually a financial aid director. And I thought I would be doing that for the rest of my life. When suddenly one day, my, my jaws opened up and I could literally put my hand in my mouth like this and my, my teeth wouldn't touch. I went to several dentists and specialists and nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. And one day I was sitting in the dentist's chair and the spirit whispered, never mind your mouth will be my instrument one day. We're just doing some cleanup work. And it was during that time when I had to wear braces to pull my teeth together that I learned to stop gossiping. I learned to, to use my mouth constructively because it was too painful just to talk. And so God really processed me at that point in time. And then I had an old African woman who prayed me into ministry. I celebrate her on this, on this uh, month of, of African history. She blessed me into ministry, never got a chance to see me start, but that was her prayer. And one mm. day I, when I saw that God was seriously moving in this direction, I had one more sign that I needed. And I said, God, if I'm going in this direction, you know I can't go without my husband. And so please let him tell me that I should do this without me saying anything. So we were on vacation one day, we had worship, and my husband just said off the cuff, you know, you're at the college, you, you can take classes free. Why don't you just go ahead and take some ministry classes? I rolled off the bed. <laughs> that was literally my last confirmation wow. that I needed. And I started the process there, but God knew that be pioneering is so difficult. And so he mm -hmm. did something precious for me. Whenever mm -hmm. I had to make a move in ministry, God would send me a truck. I call it truck prophecies. Mm -hmm. So when I had to move from my financial aid job to pastor at Metropolitan Church, 
I was riding down the road. I said, God, if you're serious, let this song play on the road. It was an old song. If they played it, they had to dig it up. And the song began to play on the radio. And when it did, a truck pulled up in front of me with the big sign at the back saying Metropolitan. I pulled off the side <laughs> of the road and called my husband. And I said, we're going to Metropolitan Church. I don't know how, but we are. <laughs> and he was like, calm down, Brenda, this will be okay. But every move thereafter, when I went to Bladensburg, when I, when I went to NAD, every move I made, God would send me that huge truck to pull up mm. in front of me and it will have the exact name of the place that I'm going to. That wow. was my wow. ultimate confirmation. That's crazy. That's wow. Look at God. Wow. That's awesome. Look at God. I love it. I love it. I love it. Wow. Tina, talk to us. When did you know? And what did that look well, like? Well, <laughs> um, I was in my late 20s when the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I had been... I had been sensing God kind of give me what I now understand to be sermon illustrations, and I didn't know what to make of them. And I would write them down and I would compile them into like a little journal. And I thought maybe God was calling me to be an author. And uh, so I tried to submit something to, you know, Review and Herald and Pacific Press and that got shut down. So I said, okay, I don't know what this is all about. Uh, and then one day when I was sifting through these papers, the Holy Spirit spoke very clearly to me in the basement of my house and said, I'm calling you to be a pastor, but first you have to go to school. And I was like, interesting, because uh, I don't come from a uh, Adventist family. I don't come from a family of pastors. And on top, and this has nothing to do with anything, but for the sake of humor, I was like, I'm from Lincoln, Nebraska, and I'm a woman. Like, Lord, are you sure about any of this stuff? <laughs> and so I ignored, I, I was cognizant of the spirit talking to me, but I did not quite, I did not embrace the call at first. After Pastor Fordham left Allen Chapel to come to South Central Conference, uh, uh, Pastor Michael Kelly followed him. And so he was my pastor for a number of years. And there was an older gentleman that showed up during um, Pastor Kelly's tenure at Allen Chapel. And when Pastor Kelly left and went to California, I became in charge of Wednesday night prayer meetings. And so I would lead the church through a discussion. Uh, I would play Henry Wright sermons. We would discuss the sermons and then we'd go on about our business. Well, on one of these days, as I was closing up the church, a gentleman who was a supporter of Pastor Kelly said, you know, have you ever considered that God could be calling you to be a pastor? And that threw me off guard because I had not told anybody about that. And so for somebody else to recognize that in me, I was like, I don't think I can do this. I'm a woman. I don't know how to preach. I don't know anything about Greek and Hebrew and all this other stuff. And so I had big, big, big beef with God. Like, why would you, why me of all people? Why me? There are far more other different people. Like Pastor Billy G was talking about. That's why Moses is Moses. also one of my favorite characters in the Bible, because he had that, you know, that exchange with God. Long story short, um, I ended up, oh my. So I was working at Advent Source at the time when this was happening. God is saying, I'm calling you to be a pastor. Advent Source sent me to Andrews University to sell books for them for a conference called Leader Shaping. I had no idea what leader shaping was. I was just there on behalf of Advent Source to represent them and sell books. Well, by the time I got there, 
uh, I discovered that Leader Shaping was a conference for female pastors <laughs> in the North uh, wow. American division. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so there I found myself surrounded by a whole host of godly women who were also feeling the call of being a pastor. And once I realized the surrounding that I was in, I just broke. I literally broke. And I realized at that moment, okay, this is, I am clear. There's, there's no more fighting this. This is where God wants me to be. God has called me to be a pastor. So my original major in school was marketing and communication. But after that moment, I quickly switched it to theology. And I've not looked back since then. But I will say this. Even though I'm clear that God called me to pastoral ministry, like all of us that are pastors, you still continue to question your call. So just because you understand uh, that God has called you and he's placed your hand, his hand on you does not mean that you don't continue to wonder, can God still use me? I've been pastoring wow, wow. since I was at Oakwood University, uh, Oakwood University Church, and I still wonder, God, even, even in the church I'm at right now, God, can you use me? as a woman by myself to do this. And God continues to demonstrate and reveal through, through the things that yeah. I'm doing, through baptisms, through evangelism, through church renovation, through mentoring, through all the ministry successes that I'm having, even though I feel insecure sometimes, God continues to show himself strong that as long as you keep trusting him, he will take care of you. There you wow. go. Wow. <laughs> ah, ah. You know, the conversation today talking about pioneering, you, you brought out that word. And, you know, when you think about a pioneer, you probably think about someone who has been uh, o the only, the one and only out there, out front, uh, the pioneers who went out west, the, the pioneers who made it available. And, but I want, I tend to think that the time we live in, the number of women who are leading, who have the yearning to be pastors, who are called to be pastors, mm -hmm. who are called to be chaplains. We are, y'all are pioneering now because I believe if God delays his coming, uh, 30 years from now, y'all are gonna be the household names as pioneers. Yeah. I just want to take a moment. I just want to take a moment. Y'all talk about pioneers. We have Trisha Payne. We have Lola Johnston. We have Andrea mm -hmm. Benton, Kimberly Bulgin, Sean Morse, yes. Latoya Alcine, Hyvett Williams, Dallas Brooks, Yvette Parham, mm -hmm. Daryl Hoy, Jessica Dooley, uh, Lily Dodge, Sh uh, Shalina Bonjour, Delami, mm. uh, uh, Delami uh, Kane, Guadalupe Montour, Shonda Nunes, Anna Rowe, so many names that can Amen. be shared as to women who have who pioneered, who have, have yes. pushed through. Um, we, I saw a question here. Um, I know you get pushback. I know you get pushback. I know you get, um, you, you talked about the, it's the, the questioning you give yourself in terms of are you called? What is this that God is doing? What God is asking from you? Um, but what, do you? how do you understand the particular giftedness and the unique demands of certain areas of ministry that God has called you to? Because I'm realizing that each of us are shaped for a particular uh, piece of the puzzle that God has for us called mm. ministry. Uh, how do you understand your giftedness, Tina? So I will be honest and tell you that one of the, even though um, 
in hindsight, I wish I would have gone to Oakwood, <laughs> but I did not choose Oakwood over Southern. But one of the blessings of me going to Southern was really being under the tutelage of Dr. John Nixon Sr. And one of the things, and I, I, this was a God moment for me, is that he really embraced me and helped me to understand how important it is to be spiritually mature. So regardless of what's happening in the church, people's biases or whatever, um, I have been able to make it through and survive uh, the challenges that exist by realizing that God has called me to be a spiritually mature leader. Um, that's wow. the answer to my question or your question. Mm. Uh, Pastor Billingy, Brenda, how, how do you understand your particular giftedness? I have been blessed, truly blessed, to have been a financial aid uh, director. If you can work in financial aid, you can do just about <laughs> anything. I have had pastors to call and curse me out as a financial aid director. Oh, mercy. And I learned how to work with them anyway she said pastors, but two gifts two <laughs> gifts are developed there one is uh counseling and the other is um financial planning now counseling for me is a big deal when i was at my last church uh i think i married over like 55 couples and one of the things that they had to do was sign a contract with me at the beginning of the counseling session. That co mm -hmm. contract stated that every anniversary thereafter, mm -hmm. they must check in with me for a counseling session. So they had mm. built in counseling wow, for the rest stuff. of their lives if they wanted it. Wow. And it's an it's a awesome thing to, to just watch those couples thrive I haven't had a divorce yet, praise God, in all of that. So that's, that's been a blessing and a continuous ministry. But the second is the financial. And here's where this came in big time for me. Allegheny East wanted to make a, a bold statement. They wanted to commission me. They wanted to do all of that stuff. And, and they thought Metropolitan Church would be a great place for me to start. Well... A tornado hit the school just before I came, mm. <laughs> damaged the church and the school. I had a, a building for seniors on the property. And so, you know, there were all these buildings to take care of, but then there was a big, huge hole in the ground. And they said, you need to build a ministry center for us. And I was taken back. This ministry center was an $8 million project. If I knew nothing about finances, I would be dead in the water, thanks to my husband who taught me some things. Mm, but wow. one of the things that happened was when I was close to getting that building open, the contractor died. And wow. when that happened, I got lawsuits left and right flying at me. We had to negotiate and bargain and do everything. And I was at wit's end. And I said, Lord, you got to help me. And one day God sent me to a meeting where I met someone who knew a banker, called the banker. He came to me at the office and said, what can I do to help you? And I said, listen, I just want to do community work in this, in this community. 
And he said, okay, I'll see what I can do. Long and short is he was able to renegotiate my loan from a 6.5 interest rate to 3.5 interest rate. With that, I was able to take out the, the money that I had borrowed from the conference to pay these contractors, pay back mm-hmm. the conference their money, get the building open. The church was renovated. The, ch- the school was renovated. The senior building was up and running. Mercy. The were running as smoothly. And I praise God for the gift of financial planning. Ah, where's that organ? Oh, and I must, (laughs) let me quickly add, we had, you know how they give you uh, like $20 to say, go and do something Mm, every year for evangelism. (laughs) Well, I decided one day I was not going to do that anymore. And I Mm. said, I'm going to take my money and do something differently with it, whether they liked it or not. Mm-hmm. And so I teamed up with my husband and we got some partners in. We decided we were going to do financial peace for the entire community, the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So while everybody did their revelation seminars, I was doing financial peace. And mm-hmm. they got probably 50 or 60 people to come. We got 350 families that we served. And a lot of the young people were able to purchase homes and start their journeys in life because Amen. of that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. There it wow. is. There that, it is. There it is. <laughs> that organ is going, man. You got so, so many so on, on, on that gift. on that same trend, we talked about understanding your particular giftedness. Um, one of our viewers asked the question, um, where do you find or get the most pushback from? Is it men? Is it women? Um, I, I know of a story of some women uh, having some trouble with a female pastor. Uh, but as, as, you, as you're in your ministry, I know, Tina, you are just starting out compared to Pastor Villinger, who's retired. Where do you find your most, most resistance? Is it men or women? <laughs> I will definitely say that it is primarily women and not men. Uh, there may be some men, but they they aren't as bold to say things to your face as some women will. I will never forget, and this is where being spiritually mature uh, comes, comes into play. Uh, first of all, I do want to say this. When Jesus sent out the disciples, he told them, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So my understanding of being a pastor is that there's going to be resistance regardless, male or female, there's going to be resistance. So I have that expectation. Am I looking for the resistance? No, but do I know that it's there? Absolutely. Um, And so I govern myself accordingly. I'll never forget when during camp meeting one time while I was an associate at Oakwood University Church, uh, there was a woman who came up to me uh, after one of the services and she said, oh, hello, Pastor Carragher. I mean, Minister Carragher. I mean, you know, I got to call you minister because only men can be pastors. Oh, my. Oh my. I said, okay. And I just kept it moving. I'm not, I'm not going to debate that with you. I'm just not. I'm aware that some may be uh, conflicted about the issue and some may be receptive. And I accept where you are. I have no interest in trying to convince you otherwise. I got biz- I got work to do. I got the Lord's work to do. 
So I just, just yeah. leave you to do what you gotta do. <laughs> wow. Pastor Billingy. Well, I had, um, I walked in with the awareness that this church, both of the churches that I pastored, I was the first. And being the first of anything, you know there will be resistance. So yeah. I expected that. But here's what I did not expect. I did not expect it from male pastors. Oh, wow. Mm. Um, and so I, I can tell you stories upon stories where, you know, for example, I, I went to this particular church. I wouldn't name it, but. What's the, the name um, of the church? No. <laughs> they, they invited me and, and, and I never would go into anyone's pulpit without an official invitation. That was my, my guard. So I had the invitation. I got to the church. Um, someone met me at the door and said, um, just go to the pastor's office and, and sit and wait. Someone will come to you. Well, I waited until it was almost time to go up on the platform. And the pastor suddenly opened the door. He said, um, hello. He walked over to his table, gathered up his, his papers, and then he looked me in the eye and said, I want you to know that I don't let just anything be said from my pulpit. So I will be listening to you carefully today. Just know that I'll be watching you. Mm. He walked out the door and his wife said to me, don't you worry about him. Just go ahead and preach anyway. <laughs> oh my. So I knew we had some issues. I went and, you know, we, we started off the service. The Lord blessed the preaching. The church was on fire. And he said, he had said to me as he walked out, he said, I actually, I, I expect to give you a grade at the end of this service. And so when it was all done, and the benediction was being said, I noticed he slipped out the back door and left. And I said, oh, not today. After he left and the sermon was over, I went and I followed him to find him. And I said, sir, I'm here for my grade. Agreed. <laughs> and he it. smiled. He smiled and said, I'll put it in the mail to you. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Roger, I am so happy that Pastor Bill and G is mature enough not to call your name. Uh, but okay. All right. Now. <laughs> Listen, that'll put me quite a much uh, older. But anyway, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> My God. Hey, listen, My I see gosh. some questions in the chat. I see some questions in the chat. Um, yes. Sister P has a question. Uh, churches traditionally expect pastors to always be available, and PKs often resent the church for taking their parent away. How do you, or how did you balance pastoring and parenting? Um, mm -hmm. Can somebody address mm -hmm. that? Uh, pastor Carringer, if you want to address that. So I have, um, I have three small kids. I have a 10-year-old, a 8-year-old, and a four, almost going to be 5-year-old. So I have three small kids. Um, I can't, I, I mean, just speaking honest with you, you know, I'm passionate about ministry. So there, I just like to throw myself into it, but, uh, my kids do give me some reality checks and to just remind me, 
um, hey, so uh, can you just sit down and watch a movie with us? And, you know, I think of sitting down and watching a movie. I'm like, man, the time that I'm watching this movie, I could be doing sermon prep. I could be doing all these other things. But, I, but I'm aware of the fact that, you know, time matters. My presence matters. And so my kids check me. They absolutely, I let them speak, share their feelings, speak their mind. And, and the Holy Ghost also rebukes me when I'm doing too much. When I'm doing too much uh, ministry-wise, you need to go spend time with your kids. I listen, and and it ends up being very fruitful. And um, so I guess that's how I balance just remembering, one, these are all the hats that I wear. And they understand. They understand what I do. And so there are a lot of times where they give me the space that I need to do what I do. And I, and I love them to heaven for that. And I reward them also wow. for that. I've, I listen to a lot of seasoned pastors talk about how they manage family and ministry. And so I learn from their experiences and then I try to tailor things for my own. And uh, I'm not the best at it, but I am getting better. Amen. Good. Amen. All right. Good stuff. I, I will, I, I, if I may jump, oh. if I may jump in, I, and I want to, and yeah. I want to affirm Pastor Carringer, Carringer, because not only does she put time in with her children, I see her with her children in ministry. So um, wow. we just wrote an article about what's happening at her church and her, her, her daughter was very much involved in the article about what's happening in her church. So yes. she not only she not only pulls away to be with her kids, she includes her kids in the ministry that she's doing. So I see that from the outside. So I, yes. I applaud you. And may I say one more thing? My daughter is also a budding preacher. And, um, and so, and so, just when, so just when I think sometimes that they get annoyed and bothered by church, they're paying attention. And, you know, they're playing church on their own. And so when I saw her and my daughter play church for the first time and practice preaching, I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she has the gift. And so I have let her, she's like, mom, I want to do some, you know, do some things. I let her do real things yes. in church. Yes. I, I don't exactly. have a children's Sabbath. I don't have a children's church. I let her be involved because she wants to be involved. She's my junior clerk right now. But when she wants Come to on. speak, I let her speak. And she does a very, very good job. So who knows? She might be the next <laughs> pastor character. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, that's that's pastor. so on track, uh, Tina, because that was exactly what I was going to say. I had the blessing of having grown children in ministry with me. And I just utilize their gifts. Um, I have two daughters. Uh, one is very, very good with finances. The other is, she's an attorney and she's, but she's exceptional with music. So I would have her play the violin. And my other daughter, when we did financial peace program, she will be one of the instructors and she would lead out and the young adults gravitated towards my children hmm. rather than, you know, not always to me, but to see them functioning in church and being a part of the process, the young adults gravitated to them. So that, that was really a blessing. So keep doing that. You're right on track. And by the way, my two-year-old just did her first sermon. And so I know how that feels. I'm excited to see that. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> My hey, grandbaby. Can I can I add this? I, I, I just I feel like I, I need to add this or at least want to add this. I, I, I am the son of a male pastor. 
who parented my brother and I. And this is what I know is that male pastors don't always get parenting right. I've got mm-hmm. plenty of PK friends. There are mistakes that are made along the way. And I know that some people are prone to look at female pastors and parents and they may look and they pick at every little thing mm-hmm. that they and I'm just saying just share the wealth cuz cuz there's there's plenty plenty of that criticism that can go around of pastors who parent that are learning just like everybody else of how to do what to do with their kids when to do it you know all of those things so um, and that's just the reality is is that parenting is something that everybody is learning on the job listen and i just appreciate appreciate you all keeping it real right we're keeping this thing real Mm -hmm. and uh we Mm -hmm. we just say thank you so much for letting us uh, peer into your ministry and your experiences. Um, We're shifting gears just a little bit because, you know, we belong to this denomination, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, right? Um, And, uh, you know, the church, we have some great things that have happened in the church and some things that we got to improve on. So within the church, and as you view how the church uh, treats our women in ministry, what are some of the unique challenges that women face coming into the pastoral ministry within the Seventh-day Adventist church? And with these challenges, has our church prepared or are they preparing our women to meet these challenges? I'm gonna go with Pastor Billingy first. Um, I would say, one of the first things we need to do is tell the truth and shame the devil. Well, We cannot change what we don't admit. Hmm. And even though our women are well-trained in the seminary, they are never quite prepared for the challenges in the pews, in the boardroom, from male colleagues, from female sisters who are brainwashed, from male supremacy mindset. Hence, mentoring for me is critical. We are still at the stage where our women coming out of seminary still need a lot of mentoring in preparation for this journey. Wow. It is challenging at best. I, I need to tell you sometimes we're the last hired and the first fired. Hmm. And hmm. so, you know, I want to give pause here and give kudos to the North American division for having the foresight and taking this bold step towards not just talking about hiring women, but putting some dollars on the table to make it happen. Wow. That's right. Now, when they hired me, my, my task, my charge was to double the number of women in ministry in five years. That was my charge. And, you know, they said, we are going to put this program together where it'll be a combination between conferences, unions, and North American division. They will put together to pay one third of the female's salary for three years, which was a great deal. But I got to tell you, even with that, 
some people were refusing it. So that just tells you what we were dealing with. But we pressed through anyhow, and I determined that I was not just going to work at NAD, but I was going to mentor as many women as I possibly can so that by the time five years expired, we would have a solid army to deal with. And so I wanted to show you just real quick, one of the favorite pictures in my house. Uh, 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 oh, wow. Oh, uh, that's nice. Yes. Beautiful. You see all those women? Wow. Yes. Wow. This was, this was the last retreat that I did for female pastors. Oh, wow. And there we celebrated that indeed we doubled the number of women in ministry and we were able to extend hands across the aisle and embrace our sister chaplains because mm -hmm. there had been a, a little divide between the two groups. But we decided we are all servants of God. And so we need to band together and support each other. So they joined in our retreats. And indeed, we built a major army that I am so blessed to have been um, a major mentor in their lives. I'm thankful for that opportunity. So kudos to NAD. If other parts of our denomination, of our you know conferences, other unions would do the same, we would have a great, great army to finish this work. Hey, Jackie wow. Mitchell says she's in the picture. She says, I'm in the picture. <laughs> Praise <laughs> God. Right. right before we get to the Pastor Karen, Karen Jay, you said something. You said that they were the NAD, they provided some funds to help with the hiring of female pastors. Yeah. But then you said something yeah. about some people refused it. Right. Was it, were yes. these pastors See, or this, female pastors or conferences? No, were, in, order, in, order to, yeah. in order to make it work, we had to have, have buy-in from all three segments. So NAD committed to their portion, but the conferences and the unions had to commit as well in order to make it happen. And indeed, we had conferences I would go up to Andrews University every year when they were interviewing students just to make sure I prepped the young women for their interviews and also got them prepared uh, to, to you know, just wow. have conversations for hiring. Wow. And I would, I would then go to the conference leaders before they did their interviews. And again, remind them of this tremendous program and the funds that were available. And I'm here to tell you, I walked away several years with conferences not buying in. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. If I could, Dr. Henry, add to, to just a little bit there, you know, Pastor Bellinger said that one of the, the challenges that she thinks that, that she sees that the female pastors are, are face are not being prepared for ministry when they get out and for us finances and boardrooms and all that stuff. The reality is this for our audience is that we hear that same stuff coming from male pastors. And, and, and so you think about that issue being there for male pastors and they're feeling like they're unprepared. Mm -hmm.
weird. <laughs> but they're not having to carry the other part of it that our female exactly. pastors. That's just in addition to those things. So just exactly. so you can get a sense of the, of the full weight of the responsibility and the challenges that 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 they face. Yeah. Tina, anything to add to to whose yes. question was that? Dr. Andrew's um, question. Yes. And 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 this could this works uh, applies for both male and female pastors, but specifically for female pastors. Um, uh, pastor Paul, you mentioned earlier about you know your father as a pastor with kids, but when you are a wife and a mother, those are the hats that you don't take off. Mm. And so male pastors have their wives to lean on, but when you carry when you're a wife and a mother and a pastor, you don't get to take those hats off. And so mm-hmm. our conferences could do better with at having child care support. I mean, can you imagine how much more work could be accomplished if our conferences gave us some type of child care subsidy? I've been saying this for a few years and people are like, yeah, it's a good idea. No, it, but it needs to be something that's implemented. Um, if you're wanting yeah. more productivity out of your pastors, be it male or female, but especially of the women, um, help us. We get travel budgets. We get all types of different curtain allowances. Why not throw childcare in there? And with, you know, <laughs> during the pandemic, we have saved a significant amount of money by not having meetings in person like we used to. Why not reserve some funds so that pastors can have a safe place to put their little ones that are not old enough to go to school yet? That's one thing. Childcare is major. Um, uh, the other thing that I want to say that we could do a, a much better with is preparing churches to receive female leaders, even when they're against it. One thing that our male pastors don't have to experience is that when the conference sends them to a church, the church don't get an opinion about that. They just get, the pastors get sent there. This is the church you're going to, and y'all just gonna have to work it out. But when our, with our conferences, um, they kind of test and interview and those things are good, but our our opportunities to serve in leadership capacity become limited when we lead it, leave it up to congregations rather than the conference administrators taking the initiative to educate the congregations on what who can be called to ministry and being willing to put their necks out there for the women that they've hired. So we, there could be better preparation done uh, locally to help with placement of women. Mm, mm. Interesting, interesting. And we, we, we would kind of fight on that one, Tina, in, in the idea that I, I think that the conferences ought to do more having that conversation with churches, even with male pastors, so that there is more of a dialogue between yes. the conference or the churches and the conference as it pertains to, to um, how they are staffed pastorally. Uh, but yes, certainly excellent points on, on that and just seeing from your perspective what some of those those challenges are um, I'd like to ask this um, so so y- you both have engaged this um, calling as as female pastors and we've heard a lot about the female part up to this point I'd like to throw on this next part has there been any, has there, have you felt or sensed or has there been any deficits or, or, or challenges that has come, not just because you're female, 
But because you're black and female in this Black History Month, we're talking about black female clergy. Um, what has it been like doing what you do as a black female clergy in this context? Have you seen differences between your counterparts? Um, what has that experience been? Has it seemed different? Has it seemed better? Has it seemed harder? Talk to us, uh, Pastor Billingy, on what that experience has been from your vantage point. So at the church, um, one challenge that I had was what I call my back row bench. I had a back row, literally, that only men will sit in that row every Sabbath. Hmm. And when you Mm. look at their faces, it was like, what can you teach me? (laughs) So, you know, I had to I had to learn to live with that. But I found a way around it. I ministered to their children Mm. and put their children in significant places, you know, highlighting them in the church, in different ministries. And you, you, you've got to love somebody who loves your children, right? right. (laughs) So eventually, eventually they would come around, but you know, that challenge really was minor in comparison to my real biggest challenge. And that is having to deal with top level administrators of our church and to speak to them, speak truth to power, asking them to do the right thing by our female pastors. And this was July 29, 2012. I call it my MLK speech. Um, It was Columbia Union Conference constituency meeting. And the main item on the agenda was ordination of women. That's the elephant Mm. in the room. Um, I was asked by Elder Wagley to do something for him at this meeting. And I said, oh, sure, no problem. He said, okay, then my secretary will call you later in the week. Well, when she called me later in the week and told me what the assignment was, then I was ready to back off. Um, He asked if I would represent women in ministry, sharing with our constituents what it all entails, the importance of having women as pastors, and just standing up for what is right. I was hesitant, but the Lord pushed me, so I know I had to do it. Um, And long and short, (laughs) before my speech, I had our top official to speak, who clearly said, if you guys do this, there'll be dire consequences. And so I had to get up behind that and still try to defend women in ministry. And the Lord said to me, just do what I told you to do. So I had a cap and a gown, graduation, you may have seen it. Um, And I said, you know, if I graduated with my cap and gown and got my diploma, but when I got home, I noticed that it was in error, something was wrong, then I had to take back the diploma to the institution and have them correct it or give me a different one. So on that day, July 29, 
I was bringing my diploma, which is my commissioning document. I was bringing it back because there was an error. And the error was that a different word should be applied. Not because I'm female, there should be discrimination. And at the end of my speech, I laid the document down in front of them and said, all heaven now awaits your vote. And so they took the vote after that, and it turned out to be 209 in favor of 51 against. And this, I've got to tell you, is my most precious document. Mm-hmm. The president took my commissioning document. Oops, I'll show you right mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. He crossed off the word uh, commission, wow. wrote <laughs> in the word ordained, mm-hmm. put the date on it, and the vote count. And he said, Brenda, you are now officially ordained. Mm-hmm. This is my most precious document. But a few months later, I was about to preach one Sabbath, and just before I got up, four men walked into the back of my church. It was all the officials of Columbia Union Conference. They came to church with a cap, a gown, and a new mm-hmm. diploma, wow. and gave me officially ordination mm-hmm. graduation. So, you know, it's it's a challenge that, you know, sometimes we don't want to act as though we are against our church in any way or that we are speaking against our leaders in any way. But Mm -hmm. when God asks that we speak truth, we Mm -hmm. cannot turn away from it. And so Mm -hmm. hopefully people understand that as we as we continue to champion truth and point out discrimination wherever we see it um Mm -hmm. hopefully they will recognize that indeed it's 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 like a black history thing you know we're not hating on the people we're just Mm -hmm. wanting right and justice Mm -hmm. to come forth Mm -hmm. so Thelma Mundy asked this question earlier in the chat I think you have your answer at this point uh, Sister Mundy she asked how do you feel about the label commission rather than ordained (laughs) amen Wow. now uh, Pastor Billinger I want to give you this opportunity as well I I know our people I know somebody's going to go and and pull up this this, uh, YouTube video and they're going to clip they're going to cut a clip where you held up Mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the document and said this is my most precious document and they're going to say well what about the bible the bible is supposed to be your most precious document how would you respond to that well i would respond to that that this is actually the work that the bible commissioned to be done yes come on right (laughs) and so even though i love my bible dearly if I only hug my Bible, but never follow through, the Bible mm-hmm. says, what does the Lord require? Mm, require is a strong word. You have no options with require. Mm-hmm. The Lord requires do justly, ah. love mm-hmm. mercy, walk mm-hmm. humbly. 
And so mm -hmm. if you love your Bible that much, then you should mm -hmm. be engaged mm -hmm. in social justice. Hey, Yay. All right. All right. <laughs> love it. Awesome. 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 All right. Um, it, it's uh, Pastor Wade. Are you going to take this week? You're, you're five? Yeah. But you're could, we, could we hear from uh, Pastor Carragher, your oh. concept of this commission or ordination, you're in the heat of it. Uh, Passability received it. I, I listen. If it was up to me, you would have had it had it long ago. But you're you're in a con, you're in a union that has not done that, hasn't made the the, the vote yet. Uh, what's your thoughts? And, and Tina, if you also wanted to wanted to answer that initial question too, as a black female, is there is there anything that you feel any any different has that added any any different burden or challenge um yeah. or 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 advantage um to your role in ministry at this time well first of all i just have to say pastor billingy is just dropping gems everywhere i mean i really don't even have to be on this thing i could just be listening to her and learning oh, from gleaning yes, from her wisdom uh, my lord uh and see, this is why it's important to be grounded in God's word. You can't just do this type of thing off the cuff. You have to be spiritually mm -hmm. grounded. And that mm -hmm. is one of the things that inspires me the most about Pastor Billingy. Um, I guess the only thing that I would say with regards to, I, I don't think I've experienced any challenges as a black female pastor. I think that what I have uh, done is I've grown in terms of, I just enjoy being in ministry. I just do. And I love all of my colleagues. I have great relationships and listen, ministry is rough. And so all we got is each other. So we, I just, it's important to me to make sure that my relationships in ministry are strong because we're all trying to do the exact same thing, figuring this thing out as we go along. I learn from my my friends who are strong preachers and I grow in my preaching by paying attention to them. So I don't really think that I've experienced any challenges as a black female uh, pastor rather than just being a female pastor in general. Um, good stuff. All right. And and then Pastor Pastor Wade's question about your your um, take on the commissioned versus the ordination piece. So I was commissioned last year and it was one of the highlights of my life. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that when they say, they say, welcome to the ministry and you're like, welcome to the ministry. You do know that I, I've been you know, laboring in this field for a minute. I didn't just get Come on now. <laughs> um, but you know, it was a proud moment for me. I was up there standing with my ministry father, Dr. Nixon senior. And, um, I understand uh, my female counterparts who choose to either not get commissioned and wait to be ordained. I have no beef. Listen, do what you got to do. Do what you feel convicted mm -hmm. to do. Um, mm -hmm. I felt honored and inspired uh, by the fact that my conference uh, saw fit to commission me last year. I celebrated it, and I'm glad that it was one more validation that this is exactly what God has called me to do. Uh, I've demonstrated it, they see it, and they are affirming and encouraging and supportive of me in my ministry. So to for me, it, it just is what it is. Amen. Awesome. Amen. Awesome. Amen. 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 And and listen, you know, it's 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 not true consolation. It's not true consolation, but they always say things like, um, well, uh, you know, God ordained you. 
you know, well, yeah, that may be nice. That's good to know. But, you know, we are all working together. We're all in this field together. And it's always great to to know that you 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 are gaining the same thing everyone is gaining because you're putting in the hard work, too. So um, I just want you all both of you all to know that I do appreciate you um, personally. And I know part of PRT. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Pastor Billingy, I want you to take note of Anne P yes. Anne Pity Petty King. Kings. Yes, yeah. I'm Petty King. Comment there. I, she needs you to come out of yeah. retirement. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to. Yeah. Want you to take it's note actually of that. Maya Evans' um, comment. Um, who's, oh, okay. Who's watching yes. on her yes. grandmother's iPad, and she says, "And each retirement counts to me oh, and my future time. husband." He's watching through um, her grandparents, yes, you're right. And to help us buy our first home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's my mom. She just got on last minute, so we're gonna we're gonna pray for her. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna have that long conversation with her. Listen, we're getting ready to wrap this up, but finally. Um, before we leave, I, I want each of you to share um, what one main thing that you would like to say to your denomination regarding women in ministry. And then what one advice would you give to young, upcoming female preachers? Mm -hmm. so we're going to ask, we're going to go with Tina first. Tina, share with us what, what's one main thing you would like to share to your denomination. I am proud to be a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. Uh, regardless of the challenges that exist within the system, I am SDA to the grave, and I consider it a honor and a privilege to be called to do work that is bigger than myself, and that is how I honestly feel. Awesome. That's phenomenal. And what would you say to, to a young lady, a young female that's maybe even looking at this show, um, what would you say to them? Ooh, <laughs> I was asked a question like that. Uh, uh, Dr. Nixon asked me, what would you say if your daughter said, mom, I want to be a pastor? I would say, run, <laughs> <laughs> run as fast as you can. Um, no, I would say, let you got be clear that it was God that spoke to you. Mm -hmm. There are going to mm -hmm. be challenges that await you. But if God called you, he's going to support yeah. you through that call in various ways. Just be clear that it is him who called you. Amen. Okay. Pastor Billingy, what would you say to your denomination? I know you're speaking from the experience of sitting behind that desk, but what would you say to your denomination at this point? Okay, to my dear denomination. People today are starving and we have the bread. So it's time to quit arguing about who can serve the bread. Mm -hmm. We're calling all leaders to get a spiritual eye exam. Sometimes mm -hmm. in seeing, we don't see. Mm -hmm. A few months ago, we saw an insurrection on the, on the nation's capital. People saw mm -hmm. it, but they didn't see it. Some, yeah, for wow. some of them, they said it's just political expression. Well, our leaders need to have their eyes open. Mm -hmm. We are actively, some of us, practicing discrimination. Some people see it, but mm -hmm. then again, they don't see it. It's mm -hmm. just biblical terms they use. But we need a serious eye exam. If we look through the lenses, here's what you will see. You will see, according to Barna, 
which, you know, they gather statistics. According to them, we are now close to 70%. 70% of our young adults are gone. They are gone, no longer with the church. And that's across the board, not only our denomination. So we need to find creative ways of reaching out to that the next generation. Mm -hmm. If we lose that generation, our grandkids will suffer and every other generation thereafter will suffer. So we need clearly to find creative ways to hold on to this generation. I will admonish the female pastors that are coming out to be creative. God has blessed us as women with creativity. Don't mm -hmm. just do ministry as usual. Use mm -hmm. your gifts, use your talents, be creative. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm gonna leave with this, just this one idea of creative ministry for me right now. I want to introduce something that I'm calling trenches. Mm. In the when they had World War One, mm. they dug deep trenches in the times of war. They would go down into the trenches for safety, and they'll shoot from there back to the enemy. That was a great vantage mm. point that they could help win the war. And I think that God is wanting us now to dig some spiritual trenches to get down deep and begin to intercede and pray for this next generation so that God will get his hands on them, pull them back in wherever they might be. We as a church need to be prepared to love them when they come back. I just had an experience of a young man who came out of prison, three years of prison. And he my, my, my. called me when he came out. And he said, Mama, he called me Mama. He said, Mama, I just wanted to let you know that in three years of prison time, I would frequently turn my face to the wall and envision you praying for me. And that vision kept my sanity for three years. Our young people are in trouble. We need to get down in the trenches with them pray them up, cover them up, love them up, and allow mm -hmm. them to fly when God brings them back to us. So if anyone wants to know more about trenches, they're free to contact me on my email. I'll be happy to share it with them. We want to build trenches all across the globe. Wow. <laughs> I mean, powerful words, man. Inspiring. Um, again, want to thank our uh, powerful um, co-laborers in ministry for coming on. And, you know, not only were your words inspiring to those uh, individuals that are coming into the ministry that are female, but also male as well. You know, I mean, this, this, is, this is excellent. And, and I just believe that um, as we continue to do the work of God and as we continue to allow the Holy Spirit to move within our hearts, that my hope is that there will be a better preparation and things, different things will happen within our denomination. So there'll be equality for all.